time to park your rear on the couch, relax, and enjoy Couch Spuds. This week, the trio see through the Invisible Man and reveal their favorite Universal movie monsters. Here's Ray Jensen, Nate Jensen, and Tracy Pham. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Couch Spuds. I'm Ray Jensen alongside Nate Jensen and Tracy Pham. This week's movie was The Invisible Man. But first, before we get into all the normal business, want to give a shout out to those who maybe aren't having the best of times of everything going on and trying to find ways to help. Well, if you want to help with the current situation, particularly with civil rights and people trying to fight against police brutality, be sure to go to sites like blacklivesmatter.com to see how you can donate. You don't have to be in the front lines to combat things like police brutality and racial inequality. Sites like blacklivesmatter.com can give you more resources to educate yourself and donate to great cause. First of all, before we get into this week's movie of Lee Winnell's Invisible Man, what are we playing? What are we watching? Tracy, I know you're chomping at the bit to discuss <laughs> a game you've discovered. It got released on PC. Talk about this new game, Valorant. Uh, where do I begin? I'll say this. It is exactly like how people describe it. It is CSGO meets Overwatch. So the time to kill is very, very quick. Like It's quicker than the time to kill in any modern warfare game, if you aim at someone's head and they have full armor, they're instantly dead. Like the smallest guns, your little pea shooter handgun, that can win you games at the end game. I went into this game thinking that it would be kind of like Overwatch. Because me, Ray, and, and Nate were in an Overwatch team together. And those are some of my fondest memories of playing with you guys. I was hoping to get that same vibe with this game. But it is... <sighs> Like, you have to be on, like, a high-tier level to play this game. I made a few posts today that I, I showed my, my stats and all that. And I'm not going to boast and say, like, I'm the best FPS player in the world. But I'm not also terrible. And there are games where I play, and I just instantly know that we're going to lose this round because of the usernames. Like, you see them, it's, it has, it's either some phrasing with the F word that's six letters long, or simp. Or it's the name of a porn star. It's like, oh, it's Gabby Carter. And they speak, and it's not Gabby Carter. It's some random guy that sounds like he just, he sucked on like three helium balloons. And when we play, they say a lot of really, really nasty stuff. And like, they flame you, but then they're the first to die. So, yeah. But So you're describing CSGO. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is that. Like, I never played CSGO. Like, for me... FPS games are like Call of Duty and Doom. Like those are the type of games that I grew up playing. But I never played CS:GO, so I I didn't know what to expect going in. And I go in, I I die in like ten seconds, and it it is infuriating. And then seeing these kids from Call of Duty, like I said, like like their usernames are simp or some kind of f word or a porn star name, and then they play and then they lose, and then I get frustrated. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good for your mental health. But for some reason, I'm addicted to the game. Like I've been playing it nonstop for the last like four days. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. But yeah, and I'm a jet main, by the way. So sorry about my little rant there, but I just had to let that out. Yeah. So yeah, Valorant's pretty toxic, but I I love it, man. Like it's a it's like an abusive relationship. It's like. You don't you don't like the person, but the sex is good. That's the best way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. And when you win, it is satisfying. 
Like it is better than any any Warzone game I won, or any Fortnite game I won. I think toxicity is something that's not unique. Yeah. Oh. To, to any franchise nowadays. Oh no, it's not. But this, however, uh, it's on a whole new level, and it's a brand new game, which is kind of shocking to me. I, I don't know why. Even when Overwatch, when we played Overwatch, it wasn't this toxic. True. Well, that that was me. That's just me. Uh, yeah. If you if you want to play that, uh, that's a word of caution. I was going to mention, I heard essentially what was a horror story about how Valorant, because I think Tencent's in there a little bit. The, the, an- the anti-cheat? Yeah, the anti-cheat stuff, which was yeah. essentially a deep root kind of kit thing, which mm-hmm. can fuck up your computer and stuff. So because of that, I think that's how it became so toxic, mm-hmm. because people looked at it as like a joke game where it's like, you're not playing this game for reals and all that, and it's going to fuck up your computer anyway. Oh, people do take it for real. Take it seriously, though. If you don't take it seriously, you'll get reported for something. I don't know what it is, but you get reported for something, and I haven't, I haven't gotten that yet. Like I'm always in the top three. Get reported for well, having too much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got reported on back in PlayStation 4, and right when Overwatch mm-hmm. came out. Oh yeah, for my username. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my first username when I got PlayStation a PlayStation Four and uh, got PlayStation Online mm-hmm. was uh, was Henital Gerpies. <laughs> Should play on genital herpes because I have the maturity of a twelve year old. <laughs> I mean, like like I said, you, you see names of you know simp and all these porn star names like Lana Rhodes, Gabby Carter, Lily LeBeau, and I'm like. Okay, men of culture, but is that really appropriate right now? Like, like it, it shows you have, like your maturity. Yeah, well, my account got suspended because of the because of my name, so I had to change it. And Sony's process of challenging your name is at, was asked backwards at the time, so I yeah. had to prove it. My username. Well, first I had to fucking go to customer support mm-hmm. and try to explain or ask why I got suspended mm-hmm. because it didn't tell me why I got suspended when I tried to log on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> so that was a process in of itself. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, a friend of mine got reported on that same night too, Ray. I remember I mentioned that. Yeah. So that was a interesting night. Yeah. As for watching stuff, to be honest, guys, I've been slacking on watching anything. I've been uh, trying to stay off my phone and off of social media and like all kinds of stuff just to, you know, like like Ray said in the beginning with the whole Black Lives Matter stuff. Like I kind of just didn't want to see that because uh, it's all heartbreaking to me. So. Yeah, I've been really watching stuff besides this week's movie. I went into the opposite problem. Video game-wise, I'm still kind of just playing Yakuza, and that's really about it. You know, besides, like, the odd game of Tetris 99 or something. But, like, for watching television, I started watching Pawn Stars again and, like, American Pickers. And it's funny because watching Hoarders and then watching American Pickers, that's day and night. And with Hoarders, they go, like, for the deep end for people collecting stuff where it's, like, garbage piles upon garbage piles. While American Pickers, it's somewhat clean, so that they can look through the garbage and find like an old poster or something. But it's like the same problem that these people have of collecting. It's just treated differently. Like, oh, this is like American history to you have a problem that could possibly kill you. Yeah. And then there's something about Pawn Stars, which is just funny because some guy will bring something in and I want, I want this for like $5,000. And they always bring in their es- expert, the guy that just knows everything about like old Civil War swords or something. And it's like, you can probably get a hundred bucks out of this. <laughs> yeah, that, that that makes me laugh too, Nate. Yeah. It's like, yeah, can I get 50 grand? Best I could do is $500. Well, it's like, that's 50 grand for like, that's 50 grand for a napkin <laughs> that a celebrity might have touched. <laughs> and then I've been going through the, uh, both the Solid Metal Nightmares box that I mentioned last week. I'm about halfway through that. And then Criterion Collection did a bunch of old Jackie Chan movies. So I've been watching those. Mm. And that's been fun. Did you get the Police Story Collection? 
Oh yeah, I already got I, that. That's that's there. I got that a long time ago too. Yeah, that was a that was a great gift to my sister. Nice for me, kind of like you, Nate. I haven't really have a time to play any new games. I'm kind of just doing same old, same old. Some Apex Legends here and there. Started Arkham Knight, replaying through that game. I know it has a reputation amongst fans as kind of being underwhelming. I can understand that perspective, but I still like the the atmosphere it puts forth. Just being able to explore the entirety of Gotham City. I know people didn't like the levels solely designed around the Batmobile, but they're fun. It's to me they weren't frustrating enough to take me out of the experience. But I'm still pretty early in the game. Neo Two still working on that. Got past the Snake King boss. Only took me three tries. That's pretty good considering the other bosses I had a little more struggle with. For movies, but outside of The Invisible Man this week, I kind of took a trip down the the dark tokusatsu lane where just kind of more mature Japanese superhero films. And I rediscovered a film that I remembered from my youth called Zayram. And I, I watched the sequel today while I was just kind of chilling out and just napping here and there. <laughs> I, movie's just crazy because I, I remembered the movie from when I was young because the, the monster in Zayram has this no face that is just really disturbing. The body of the monster itself is controlled by this little head that's inside its hat that kind of like extend itself almost like in a snake form, but it's, it smiles really creepily and it sounds like a child when it, when it makes noise. It's really just really weird. But <laughs> what from Japan isn't yeah. weird. I and mean, honestly, sounds like something I should check out. It's honestly pretty unique for its time because it had a really the lead character's name is idia and she's like a badass female bounty hunter so basically take ripley from alien and combine her with samus from metroid and this basically what you have in idia from zayram it's it's pretty interesting i recommend checking it out it's not a masterpiece but it's a fun action movie it's fun b-movie cinema you know oh and ray i kind of agree with you on arkham knight I do, I do, I did enjoy that game, but I saw the twist coming a mile away. Like, so that, yeah, that kind of just ruined it for me. It's like when the way how the Arkham Knight acted, I was like, that's this person. And when the reveal happened, I was like, okay, that is it. So it, I thought that was more of like the, for the people that don't know much of Batman lore. Amongst the three of us, I think we knew who that was. Like, uh, well, at least had a good guess. Oh, yeah. Especially like once you get to the movie studios part yeah. of that game where you're facing Harley Quinn uh-huh. squad, like it kind of becomes apparent. Mm-hmm who yeah. it is but and i know that a lot of people got pissed off by that because rocksteady promised that arkham knight was going to be a unique character never before seen in the batman universe. i did not know that and then they just kind of know that <laughs> yeah they but then they just tied it back to an existing batman character and every, a lot of people got turned off by that good old Which, bad marketing <laughs> I, yeah i can't blame them for it because a lot of people thought, like, oh, it's Joker or, like, Cognizance mm-hmm. inside, like, a machine, which I think could have been way more interesting than what we got. And I wasn't a fan of the ending after you 100% complete it. For completionist's sake, I wanted mm-hmm. to do it. But the ending was eh, but it left itself open to a mm-hmm. sequel. And I was led to believe, again, by Rocksteady that there were going to be no more sequels. But, of course, we're, I think we're all kind of anticipating uh, Court of Owls being mm-hmm. announced for the next generation of consoles eventually. Yeah, yeah we'll see what we'll see heard what news that about that one. All right, with, with all our activities out of the way, with what we've been doing this past week and watching and playing, let's get to the movie we agreed on. It was chosen by Tracy, and that is Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man, starring Elizabeth Moss. Came out earlier this year, February 28th. It had a pretty short run in the theaters because of COVID-19, and then even had a, a shorter release window to rental 
because it was like I think it was like four weeks after it released theatrically, it got released for at least digital rental. Yeah. It's an interesting concept because if you look back towards the production history of this movie, this was supposed to be part of the dark universe with their reboots of the classic Universal monsters that was supposed to be kicked off by the Mummy starring Tom Cruise, but that did so god awful that they just abandoned that. Initially, Johnny Depp was supposed to be the Invisible Man, so to speak, uh, Adrian Griffin, but they decided to scrap that and go with Lee Winnell's concept of introducing this sort of story of abuse, revenge, a lot of interesting themes that become prevalent, especially in today's society with the focus on stepping up when it comes to talking about abuse and supporting people who go through those types of relationships. It can be seen as pandering, I think, to some, but I don't know about you guys. I thought I was going to hate this movie going in. I didn't hate it. I didn't absolutely love it either. But I definitely think for smart horror, while there were some writing faults, I think Lee Winnell went into, I definitely think this was a more coherent story than at least I was expecting. And Elizabeth Moss, for me, carried this role really well as Cecilia Cass. I semi-agree with that. For me, I loved the first half of this movie. And I Mm -hmm. really liked the second half. To me, the second half was when Lee Winnell, it's his style, took over. His previous movie... We don't talk about Insidious Chapter 3. That, that movie was atrocious. We talk about Upgrade, which is a fantastic action-horror-sci-fi hybrid that I would highly re- recommend. And he had like an eye for like making crafting unique action sequences in that movie. The first half, to me, it felt like he changed his style up. Like There's a lot of really wide shots, and it's implied that the Invisible Man's right there, but then the second half happens is when his signature style took over and that kind of took me out of the movie. And I, I thought his writing was really well because I watched this with my dad and he actually told me to pause this movie. And that's like the first time I ever heard my dad ever said that because there's a history of abuse in my family. Like he was abused when he was a kid. And when he saw um, the scene, but when uh, Elizabeth Moss is uh, sneaking out of her husband's house, my dad actually did that. Like he ran away from home. He told me to pause the movie, which is a first for me, and that actually affected me. I would say uh, my thoughts on this. I would swear this was called Ghosted, like an original draft somewhere. It would just be called that. And I think the theme is fine with the whole like style of the abusive relationship and Elizabeth Moss trying to escape this horrible, like crazy dude. But there's a point where it goes from like, all right, we've gotten it, we got it, and then we kind of go to 11 near the final confrontation of the film. And it works kind of well, but me and my brother were talking where if you showed one scene where the a boyfriend is like abusive for whatever reason, throwing like food in her face because like it's not cooked well or ripping a dress because he thinks it looks terrible because you just kind of start with that silent scene and you just get it all implied about the abuse. And one scene would have been all it took to work with that because the, the way it kind of drags on for a bit and it works. But it keeps going. Like it, it goes to like eleven rather than like a ten. How you know? how I interpreted it was um, it was implied. Like it's also like a psychological thing. Like like the first half, is she really being abused? Is she or is it all in her head? That's how I interpret it. I would have liked to have just seen some flashbacks here and there of the past abuse that led to her deciding mm-hmm. to leave Adrian in the in the very beginning scene of the film. Just to set some context throughout when after she lives with her friend James, who is my favorite character he, in this he movie. He is awesome. Played by Aldous Hodge. Really, James Lanier is a really fun character. I, there were some things that didn't really make sense. Like when the scene where the Invisible Man punches Sydney, and then Sydney thinks it's Cecilia. That didn't make sense to me because Cecilia didn't move. 
so if she hit you and not move, how is that possible? How did you think it was Cecilia that hit you? That was the first one. Like, it just came yeah, off as awful. I, I agree with you on that because the way how it's, it was shot, Cecilia didn't move. And she got mm. hit and she called her dad, which I did not know that, that James was um, the little girl's dad. I thought they were brother and sister. I, I, so I thought, gotcha. so she screamed dad. I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, I agree with you on that, Ray. They don't really show the relationships. Like how, how does Cecilia know James? It just kind of right after her sister, Emily, mm. saves her. They just cut to her living at James's place. There's really no flashback of how they met or how they know each other. Not even some dialogue to mention it. They just say, oh, you know, they're just friends. But they have to be strong friends to allow her to stay at his house and sleep Mm -hmm. with his daughter. Because Cecilia and Sydney share a bedroom in the film. Like, that that's a close relationship to have with that family. And again, just to show some backstory, even just a little bit, I think would have boosted this movie. As as decent as it was. I forgot to say, like, the movie moves at a really fast pace. I think that's the reason why we didn't get enough enough backstory like the, like it's just like lee winnell is like here this is what's happening just go with it there is a problem when we get to the i think the hospital scene where all that stuff starts happening and there's immediately people like seeing all this stuff but they kind of treat it off like she's still kind of going crazy even though like people have seen the suit and the dude you know in the rain and all that i, I saw that the, the, them like not knowing what to do would you know what to do if you if you were in that situation? I'm like they were dumbfounded. Like you got a like a person. If Predator has taught me anything, <laughs> the, you shoot the woods. It's just the scene from Predator. Just shoot blindly into the parking lot. You'll hit them eventually. It is all one take, though. Yeah, that wasn't a bad shot. It's just like once you get to like the dude's kneecap being shot and like all these like cops being like knocked out in one punch. I'm going like this is a lot of dead bodies to fuck with one human being. <laughs> I thought that was weird because like especially. When Adrian's brother, who's also complicit in this whole scheme, goes after the Lanier's and he beats up James, does the suit give you, like, super strength? Because I'm assuming James is really... He's He's jacked. Aldous Hodge is jacked for this film, but he gets beat up really easily by a lawyer? Well, you can't see the guy. A really strong lawyer. So I think he had an advantage because he can't, he couldn't see him though. I would just think a guy who's a, a detective and is as good a shape as him would have like a better chin, I guess at least. <laughs> but and just the way Adrian was able to dispatch some officers in this film just seemed a little odd because it's never shown that he's anything but a tech geek. Like he's not like a secret agent or like a former government spy or anything like that. He just invented the suit. He's an opti- Yeah, it's just yeah. interesting. I, I don't really think much too deep about that because, you know, you're watching a horror movie. <laughs> you know, you guys suspend your disbelief. I'm not saying that, that that's, yeah. that's not a valid criticism, Ray. And normally I do. Like, trust <laughs> me, I can get into, like, Jason Voorhees <laughs> slashing up people because it's already established he's a paranormal <laughs> figure. Yeah, he's, he's a zombie human. pretty much. Like an unkillable zombie. Well, by, like, at least part six, he's a zombie. Like, the first three parts, actually, it's Pamela Voorhees in the first part. But, like, once you get from, like, two to five, he's, like, <laughs> human. Or it's like somebody else, because they kind of do like the psycho twist yeah. in one of them. I do want to point out something really important, because I went completely non-blind into this, so I saw this bad scene coming a mile away where they're at the restaurant, and I, I still can't believe how bad that was, where it's like, oh, there's a knife in the Really? Air. Let me just catch really? it. Really? I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see that part coming. Cecilia's sister got slashed because, wow, that, that caught me off guard. Well, it's less that she dies. It's just like, all right, you've. I get now it's like the pregnant lady because that's one of the big spoilers is that they realize she was taking birth control because both brothers fuck with her really hard. And I get that's why they don't kill her. But that, that would have been perfect. You know, murder, suicide, done. I've had my revenge. But yeah, then it becomes revealed, like you said, that that's not 
the purpose Adrian mm-hmm. has for Cecilia. Yeah, it gets really creepy. And I'm like, it works. But at the same time, I'm like, this is like, for a man that has an invisible suit, you are like fucking with this person like hard. Like. I like that Elizabeth Moss's character even offers that point of view when she's in the Lanier's house and she knows Adrian's in there, but she can't see him yet. And she's just staring at the doorway, assuming he's there and just saying, why me? You could have had anybody else in the world. Why are you coming after me? You could just pretend I don't exist. I don't understand this. And that's the whole premise I think we have to go back to. Like, none of this makes sense. Only it makes sense to Adrian Griffin. Yeah, I mean, he, it's the abuser that's going to, like, fuck with people as hard as they can and have that kind of yeah, power that's what they want. Them. They want power so, over someone. Yeah. And like I said, the theme of that abusive relationship and just how destructive it can be to human being, where it, they aren't really invisible, but, you know, for the horror film case, like, he is really there. But it can feel that way. It can be so controlling. And like I said, it does the job pretty well. It just it went to from like ten to eleven, where it's like near the end, where it's her and Adrian, and he's still being like, "Oh, I didn't do it. I did not do any of this at all. Come back to me." And it's like, "All right, we've yeah. gotten the point." Which is back to what I said. It's implied. Like, is he abusive? We don't know. It's implied like ninety nine percent. We just mm-hmm. don't see it, and that's fine. I get that's, it. To me, I, I I put it to the equivalent of one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. is, is RoboCop. And it's to me, it's, it's one of the best action films, one of the best revenge films in, I agree. in American cinema. It's such a great revenge film because the death of Alex Murphy is so mm-hmm. fucking brutal that you cannot help but cheer for him. And the, I think the big problem that happened in the remake in 2014 is that how he became Robocop was kind of he just got blown up. It's not as brutal. Yeah, you don't he, get that punch where he becomes yeah, a stuff. Like he literally. shoots his hand off. You know? and yeah. And they just mow him down with shotgun. Yeah, but imagine if you didn't have any of those scenes and it's just like, oh, he's Robocop. And they don't, they don't show you how he becomes Robocop or his life before that. It's just, nope, this is Robocop. It's not a, an egregious towards a film like The Invisible Man, but it definitely could have boosted the film. Mm-hmm. That's, again, I think this was a solid film. I like the ending a lot. I'm not going to spoil it because I feel like if you haven't seen this film, the yeah. ending alone makes it worth it because i never going through this entire film and i thought man if this ending doesn't blow me away i'm gonna be very disappointed it didn't blow me away but it was definitely one of the more satisfying endings to a horror film yeah. i have seen it, it shocked me too Ray. Yeah, it was a very good ending i did have one other gripe and this is like midway through the movie where like you know we go back to the house and we and we find the invisible suit and the camera and all that stuff and how it's like basically a tech suit from there to go solid but instead of taking the suit and wearing it to avoid Adrian or whoever's chasing her in the invisible suit, just hide it away. Just stuff it in a corner. And what I'm surprised is that he yeah, doesn't that's, that's, find that's it. That's what I thought, too. Like, yeah. Because this is his house. And he's the abuser. Yeah. Like, you, you would think that he would know that. But it was there, you know. For a guy that took control on all aspects of oh, well, not only his life, but Cecilia's life, he probably knows every single mm-hmm. corner of that house. And I wouldn't be surprised. He, he seems to have some OCD tendencies. We kind of mm-hmm. see that in the film. Yeah, with how clean the house is and like just right. all. But yeah, he doesn't, I guess, survey is the best, is the point I'm trying to make. Then he doesn't see the hiding spot or doesn't know of all the hiding spots in the house. Yeah, I, I just thought that was a big plot hole as to the, the second suit. But then again, you know, he's probably just, he probably didn't, he just left it there because for whatever reason. Maybe it was to implicate her in some crazy shit later. At the end of the day, it's also that could be like his yeah. fucking closet. And then he again, he care, you know. Then again, he <laughs> he's he a rich millionaire. Faked his own death, like he was hiding when uh, when the SWAT team came. When yeah, so he probably forgot mm-hmm. about it too. How do you fake your own death? Like, I, I guess you get a body double, the, and your brother's a lawyer, so they just paid a homeless guy that, to slit that, his wrist. Or, I don't know. You know. <laughs> this movie is, you know, 
a contemporary movie. Like he probably photoshopped it. He probably photoshopped it, and <laughs> he he'd have the photoshopped yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And plus, um, he's a rich dude. He could forge documents. That's another yeah. thing. And you, you got to forge a death report. And you his forge all this shit. Too, so. They yeah. cover it up though. He's cremated. That's why they had the Adrian Griffin thing from like whatever year he was born to 2020 in that weird like triangle pyramid thing. Yeah, it looked like the fucking puzzle box from goddamn Hellraiser. I'm like, that's an urn? Uh, I was going to say the thing from Destiny. I don't know what that thing is. The Guardian, <laughs> the cube. <laughs> Not Peter Dinklage. <laughs> I think the Crucible, it I think. Like we, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, a lot more negative with this movie than it should. But I have to reiterate, I love this movie. I really enjoyed it. It's just that we're talking it now. I'm like, huh. Like, there's a lot more stuff that I didn't really notice. It's just... I think you put it well, Tracy. It requires a lot mm-hmm. of suspension of disbelief that maybe mm-hmm. not everyone can get to. It's an enjoyable, entertaining movie. I'm mm-hmm. definitely not going dis- to dispute that fact. But it's not... Because uh, I remember looking at the reviews, and this movie's got, like, 92% fresh rate in Rotten Tomatoes, 88% audience score. And same, I see it more same, in the 70 same. range, in I, my I'm personal opinion. Like, if I have to give it a rating, it's, like, a 7... 7.6. And that's a... I think that's a little too high. I I liked what uh, he did in the first half. Like that that first half of the movie is perfect for me, but then the second half happened, and then it just felt like he Lee Winnell just kind of took over and went a little bit overboard. I definitely will say that Elizabeth Moss's mm-hmm. performance yeah. carried this movie. The cinematography, <sighs> I, I love. That's why I love the first half because, like I said, there's these beautiful wide shots, and it's just one take, like, I mean, not one take, a long take, and you probably, like, he's standing right there, and he's standing right there, right next to her, mm-hmm. in that corner right there, and that's just, that terrifies me more than anything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. just using open space, and kind of, it even, it was funny, because the scene where she's cooking breakfast in mm-hmm. the morning, she goes to wake up Sydney, I didn't even notice half the shit that was really? going on really? the screen. Nate and Mikey and I were watching it all together, Mikey saw the knife move. I didn't see the knife move. I saw the mm. flame. I, I know saw that. I, I thought you meant something else. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's like it's interesting that he uses these like, this empty space and has allows characters mm-hmm. to exit and enter the frame, and still allow the story to develop. Yeah. It's something you don't see a lot of in this mm-hmm. movie, considering its unique mm-hmm. premise. I, I lends to that wholeheartedly, one hundred percent agree with that. Like, like some of the shots, like that shot, it, it looks like something out of a great magazine catalog. And that's that's not a that's not a slight to the movie. It's it is a compliment. It's that setup mm-hmm. of that still photo where it's like I get what you mean by the magazine stuff because mm-hmm. you've seen the mm-hmm. Sears catalog, you know, where it's like that setup for the kitchen and like the sink, and it just looks like that perfect. But then mm-hmm. you see stuff go wrong, like the knife falls off or fire comes out. It's a good first buildup, but like I said, when you get to the hospital where he's like killing or like knocking out people, and I'm just like, all right, we've got <laughs> this is a lot of bodies, <laughs> and it's not a bad sequence. Like it's a good film. I would say like a six mm-hmm. out of ten, and it's not bad. It just, there's a moment where it kind of goes askew, and not in a bad way. Just That's understandable. But o- overall, this was definitely one mm-hmm. of the better movies of the year. Putting it in, the, in a larger picture of all the movies we've watched so far, in The Lighthouse, Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. The Gentleman, and this, it's definitely in, right yeah. in, the, in the middle yeah. I, I, of those, I agree of those other that, movies. Right? I agree. I, I was hoping this would be my favorite, but it wasn't. It just wasn't for me. Of, out of the movies we've watched that have come out in 2020, yeah. I will. I think the gentleman is that. my favorite is of the three. I gotta say, some of the CGI in the film's not that great. I think the close-up of the suits just kind of meh. And then that that weird opening credits thing where they went with like waterways, and I get why. You know, it's the Invisible Man. The credits disappear before your eyes. You know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand the waves at the beginning. Well, I didn't really CGI. understand the impact. Yeah. 
and they do so to get because it's the invisible man it's just disappearing you know it gets to sink into like the waters i thought we were watching <laughs> frozen 2 at first <laughs> with the water yeah oh uh, yeah i forgot uh, i forgot to mention that too uh thanks nate the cgi yeah some of it's really bad mm-hmm. only when it's really close up like from afar it looks fine you know but when we have that way too close up like it's almost like the shot yeah, from the fly there, a million there's eyes, a jump scare like, that, that made good. me laugh and i think you guys know what, which one i'm talking about with the close-up no, Are no, we talking no. about the attic no, one no, where he's no. a golf ball? I, I, I don't want to spoil it because I don't want to spoil it. No, this no, movie was really no. scary. It, to I would me. say it's like, entertaining. I, I... It's more entertaining than scary. And plus, mm-hmm. yeah, and plus, I think it's suspenseful. You know, I, I believe that all three of us are massive horror fans. That we've seen a lot of horror movies, so I, I guess uh, that has something to do with it too. Because I don't think that this movie is going to scare people or scare us. Honestly, us. It's mm-hmm. a good thriller. You. Want Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Moss character to be, you know, Cecilia. You want her to be justified in her mm-hmm. paranoia, and it's just seeing that build up, and that's why we're talking about those shots where it's just it just stays there, and it's that feeling of there's something and there. Plus, even it's also a horror nothing. movie that's yeah. it's taking a risk, like it's it's channeling um, actual abuse, like Ray said. Like I said, my dad actually had to pause this movie and take a little walk because it triggered some horrible memories. So I have to give. Lee Winnell, a big thumbs up for that. Definitely didn't feel like it was pandering or like too on the nose with the themes of abuse. It felt like it was doing that mm-hmm. subject enough justice mm-hmm. where it wasn't and, insulting you know, anybody's also intelligence too. So, and I like that. Yeah, I've, like I said, I think the the, the <laughs> yeah because of the implication the quote <laughs> <laughs> the quote the quote, oh, yeah. quote um, the Dennis system <laughs> yeah um, yeah the implication I think helped mm-hmm. and hurt this movie at the same time. Because of you're implying it, you're not trying to hold these people, hold your audience by the hand, mm-hmm. and trying to like see this is what it looks like, this is what abuse looks like. It's showing them that mm-hmm. like we don't always see it, mm-hmm. and I understand that. I I don't know if it works 100 percent of the time in the medium of film because sometimes I think you do have to hold your audience's hand through some time mm-hmm. through themes like this from time to time, but I don't think it completely mm-hmm. undermi- uh, undermined yeah. this movie. I, I would agree with you, with you on that. It worked with its attempt on, on showing how the paranoia of being in such an abusive relationship can have on a person. So at the end of the day, I get why they didn't want to show it because then you're just wasting time when you could like build up this suspense of is there an invisible man there or not? Because at the end of the day, this is a horror movie. This isn't like a psychological thriller. It's like there's the monster, which is you know the mad scientist that is using his suit to yeah. get back well, his ex-girlfriend and all that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know they were married. Yeah. I, I'd forgotten. <laughs> I remember that they were lovers. <laughs> Yeah, they never really imply that they're like I, I, I thought they're they, ever married. There was like a, a sentence where like uh, she said he's my husband or something like that. Maybe that's from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, you like, just know. Not that it really like, matters. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's still an abusive yeah. asshole either way. <laughs> yeah, whether they put a ring on it or not. You know? Yeah. That you said it's an interesting point you make because, like you said, Tracy, you didn't think uh, James and Sydney were mm-hmm. father and daughter. You saw them as brother and sister. So like. I, I that is I think that's a weakness that it can be kind of pointed out too a little bit. The relationships mm-hmm. aren't really fleshed yeah, out I, I like as well James as maybe they should have. <laughs> I liked him a lot. Like he was a bro. But like, I always saw his sister as I mean his daughter as his sister. <laughs> that's a weird Chinatown reference there. <laughs> well, was it? Well, I mean, because she's obviously like college age yeah, or like yeah, she's about a to be senior college in school, age. In she's about film, to go to, and... She wants to go to fashion school. Aldous Hodge is actual age. He's thirty three. And the actress who played uh, Sydney Storm Reed, she's sixteen. So that's in- so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would literally have been a teenager. His partner or wife, because you know they don't really say what happened to yeah. Sydney's mom. 
uh, Hatter. So, yeah, it's just interesting. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot, not a lot of back, background is explored in this movie, but it's it's definitely, you see more of a snapshot yeah. of the lives and of the characters. And plus, it's also a little different too. Like, he's a single dad. Like, you don't see that a lot in, in a lot of movies or. Yeah, at least, no. The release was a cool guy, though. He was cool. But yeah, it was all, pretty. all works with the neighbors. James yeah. was plus the nicest also, cop that I've seen like, that whole really movie. Dude. That's lie. true. We're not we're not seeing a lot of police no. like no. linear in no. the news nowadays. Like I said, he was, a sure. he was really yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, Invis- Invisible mm-hmm. Man, a good movie. I'd I'd recommend it until more horror movies come out this year. I definitely think we have to put <laughs> yeah. this in, in the upper echelon. Yeah. Like I was so disappointed for twenty twenty. A Quiet Place Two got pushed back, but it was the best call. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the Dark Universe because the Mummy failed so bad. It, they're going to. Like do this with Blumhouse, and then if this works, they might give them more and more IPs from Universal. Like I wonder if they're going to give them like Dracula, I, the creature. I want the them to keep making more movies like this because that's what I want in these Universal movies. I know one yeah. with Ryan Gosling is coming up, where he's the Wolfman. And I'm excited for that. And Ray, you know how much I love werewolves. I don't know if I told you that date. Yeah, Good to me that they're, they're, they're the coolest out of the, all Universal monsters. Actually, what are all your favorite Universal monsters? I like Frankenstein, honestly. Frankenstein or Dracula? Well, hammer-wise for Dracula. Uh, there's something about Christopher okay. Lee's performance that makes it better. <laughs> I'll be honest, I hate <laughs> the universal Frankenstein. <laughs> I know you do. I know you o- hate him. Only because I, I Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or Prometheus Unbound is one of my favorite pieces of literature ever. And I, and I love Frankenstein's monster in that yeah. He's intelligent. story and how he teaches himself how to how to talk like most of us i saw the universal monsters film with frankenstein and boris Karloff as the monster before i read mary shelley's book i expected to see just like that being the monster but then when he was well spoken and intelligent and had feelings and desires and needs i was like this is a really wonderful fleshed out character (laughs) why was that not this here so while i do i understand the impact and the symbolism of how impactful that character was in Boris Karloff's monster, I, I think we need to see more truer interpretations towards Mary Shelley's original yeah. story that should, that should be interesting. with these current films. I, Frankenstein, should not be the most intelligent Frankenstein. Okay, I just want to say you, that. You beat me to it. I was about to say, I, I feel like Frankenstein does an even worse job because it goes, oh, he's intelligent. Now we're going to have him do I've never seen that movie. Cool I love Aaron exactly. Eckhart. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. It's it's bad. Horrible. It is terrible. It is discount <laughs> Underworld, and that is bad. <laughs> it would have been cooler if he was in Underworld, like as a character. Yeah, but I'm that not a big fan cooler, of Underworld honestly. either. So. Well, Ooh. that jumped that that series jumped the shark. <laughs> Second one's decent, but yeah, that's a series that went down the rabbit hole. It's when you get to the werewolf vampire, where it's like, now I understand why Double Momo Jumbo is a rule in screenwriting because it's like, <laughs> how the fuck do you deal with this monstrosity? Yeah. Uh, I will, yeah. but I will sit back to my, what my favorite Universal monster is. I'll have to say Gilman because Gilman scared the living <laughs> shit out of me as a child. So yeah. out of out of pure impact, I'd have to say Gilman. Though now I, I, I look at him and I'm maybe because like, yeah, why the fuck is maybe because he's, this he's underwater. Gilman, and you yeah. don't know more about uh, stuff underwater. True. I, I mean, it was also a film that was meant to be filmed in 3D at the time. So like those shots where he's like really in your face is like ooh, because you see him like all scales and all and nice little claws. So that can be scary to like a kid. God knows the fly scared me as a kid when you see that close up that spider that's about to eat the uh, the fly kid, the fly. Man. But yeah, I just had to ask that. I l- I like werewolves too. Like honestly, if we're, if it's between werewolves and vampires, I think I'm choosing werewolf. Yeah, as as, as much as I love characters like uh, mm. Angel from the Joss Whedon mm-hmm. University of Television, and dra- as, as cool as interesting as Dracula is, yeah. but <sighs> werewolves are dope. 
like dogs, two dog of my favorite movies American of all time. Right? <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. to me like you just turn into a, a giant badass wolf killing people. Like that's just cool to me. <laughs> no, I, this was this is a really great trip, and I, I down a particular mm-hmm. genre. I think we all agree needs a little more representation <laughs> in, in current cinema. Nate, you're choosing next week's movie. We're going back to the crime genre. What is the movie you were choosing? Uh, Capone with Tom Hardy. I've heard the premise being it's because a little bit of horror. It's like The Shining with gangsters. So I'm excited because the idea of crazy Al Capone sounds like a good concept. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll talk Capone next week. But in the meantime, fellas, uh, thank Thank you for joining me this week to talk about Invisible Man. Same. I I love talking horror. I definitely had a blast. (laughs) Good stuff. Right. For Nate Jensen and Tracy Pham, this is Ray Jensen saying thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Couch Spuds. We'll talk to you next week when we have watched Capone and go dive into all the madness that brings Tom Hardy's depiction of the notorious gangster. In the meantime, stay safe out there, whether you're protesting or just trying to stay safe out of this COVID-19 business. Hope you enjoyed the week after, and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Couch Spuds. New episodes release every Monday. You can follow and listen to Couch Spuds on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify.